This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexandra Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, Good Together listeners, it's that time of year, and that means that you are probably, if you're not already thinking about it, this podcast will probably remind you, it's time to start thinking about holiday uh, entertaining and holiday planning. And so at the time of recording, um, Sarah and I are going to be talking a lot about Thanksgiving, uh, because Thanksgiving is a huge opportunity to obviously get together with friends, celebrate what we're thankful for. Um, But sustainable uh, thoughts oftentimes are part of that conversation. And with, together with Sarah, we're going to talk a lot about how we can be a little bit more eco-friendly during this holiday season. So uh, good together listeners. So excited to welcome Sarah Robertson Barnes. Uh, she is a low waste living expert and the founder of Sustainable in the Suburbs. So welcome, Sarah. I wonder if you could just give a brief intro about yourself. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so like you said, I'm sustainable in the suburbs. I'm just sort of your average soccer mom uh, out there trying to do the climate action thing in an area that really doesn't support that. Um, we're very much restrained by cars and big box stores and things like that. So I try to offer uh, doable, sustainable living tips for your average family. I love that. And I think it's so important. I mean, it's one of the reasons why we decided to start this podcast. I mean, there are so many people that are facing all sorts of uh, restraints in their daily life. And I think living in the suburbs, living in a place where you do have to have your car all the time, everything is very spread out. I think that is a totally, uh, you know, valid uh, situation and concern that a lot of people have um, across both the U.S. and Canada. And actually, uh, when Sarah and I were chatting before we started recording, she mentioned that she is Canadian. Um, and so she's not quite as into the Thanksgiving stuff as we are. However, um, this, I think, as we talk about Thanksgiving, etc., like these tips are applicable to everybody, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, right after Thanksgiving, we do the whole holiday crush and it, it applies broadly across the board. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that uh, Sarah talks about in her blog is she's all about like low waste in this culture of, yes, uh, a little bit of excess of convenience, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, for, for my perspective, uh, the parenting angle is really important as well, just because when you have kids, if you don't have them already, like you, you all of a sudden start to accumulate a lot of things, whether we're talking about toys or, you know, you're, you're finding you, you have to buy obviously more food, you're trying to waste less, et cetera. So, you know, I think as we think about like the broader context of, you know, sustainability uh, as it relates to Thanksgiving, I had a, a few facts I wanted to throw out before we get into our tips, just so that we could kind of ground ourselves in basically the amount of waste. Um, so we found uh, when we were doing research for this episode that between Thanksgiving and New Year's Day, Americans throw away 25% more trash than the rest of the year, which is a lot. And on Thanksgiving week alone, 200 million pounds of turkey, over 150 million pounds of vegetables, and 14 million pounds of generals are just straight up tossed out. So that is insane. That's a ton of waste. If you think about the ramifications, um, you know, there, there's a lot. So I think the best way that we can approach this problem is to think about, yeah, like different ways to reduce waste. So let's go over some of our top tips. Sure. Yeah. So Sarah, what if you get us started with something you like to coach people through? Absolutely. So a big thing that I talk about a lot, uh, it's very prevalent in, in my daily activities, is preventing food waste. Uh, so like you said, um, hundreds of millions of pounds of uneaten but still usable food are sent to landfill um, the week after Thanksgiving. And it's important to remember that nothing breaks down in a landfill, not even food. Uh, so we're having methane gas released into the atmosphere. We're wasting all of that perfectly usable food. And we also need to factor in the tremendous amount of resources that went into farming and, and processing that food as well. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. If we, if, the, the point of Thanksgiving is to, you know, celebrate the harvest, um, then showing respect for the food and those resources and the, and the folks that bring it to our table um, needs to be top of mind. Uh, so um, as much as I hate doing it, um, the main thing we have to do here is meal plan. Yes. Um, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a fan, uh, but I do. I do end up doing it so that um, we're not wasting anything, especially in this economy. Yes. Um, even if you're not necessarily concerned about waste, you are concerned about your wallet, and those two things uh, do go hand in hand. Absolutely, um, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And I think the meal planning situation is one that I think very few people like, but it's one that we talk about constantly, which is just you know making sure that. If at the very least, you you know, like a few meals you're going to be doing with the ingredients, but then you also have like a repertoire of other, uh, you know, recipes that you can use to, uh, you know, help use up things, right? Right. So I guess the first thing that you're going to want to do is uh, make sure that you have a really firm idea of how many folks are coming over uh, if you're the one hosting. And that's going to help you figure out how much food you actually need. Um so you had sent over something, a really interesting tool that I hadn't seen before, which is called the guestimator, yes. um, which will tell you sort of exactly how much food you need to make per person, which is something I thought about when we were planning our wedding and then just never thought about again. Yeah. Um, but that's a really <laughs> cool tool. I checked that out today. So that's a great place to start. 
Um, and so, like I said, meal planning, be really deliberate about what you're putting on your menu, like right down to the last potato, um, including how you plan to use the scraps. Um, so, you know, what are you going to do with your vegetable peels? You can make veggie broth. Are you going to be making stock out of your leftover turkey and bones? Uh, can you make it into a shepherd's pie? Can you make it into a casserole afterwards? That sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the other thing yeah. I'd say on that note is that, you know, I think traditionally when we think about these big spreads for holiday meals, um, more was traditionally seen as better, right? And like, it's been like that since basically the beginning of time. <laughs> like you can picture, uh, you know, people eating at the King's table and banquets and stuff. Like we've traditionally expressed, I think, you know, comfort, joy, et cetera, with an overabundance of things. Um, and actually I think even if you think back to the, uh, lore around Thanksgiving, you know, that the whole point of the, you know, the holiday is, you know, remembering when, uh, you know, different folks in early America came together to, you know, share. And I, so I think sharing and, uh, you know, coming together is a huge part of what we're talking about. However, what, what you just said, Sarah, really, um, you know, caused something to pop in my head, which is like thinking about the amount of food you're producing down to the potato, meaning, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're going to get a little bit more surgical about how you, you know, plan the amount of food that's going to the table, uh, number one, like no one's going to notice, like no one's going to yeah. say like, oh, Laura and Sarah, like you guys didn't put that much. Up. Like, first of all, no one's going to notice that. And then no. second and of you all, you are not going to run out of food. I <laughs> no, promise you, you, you will not. not run out of food. That has absolutely never not. happened. Yeah. yeah, absolutely not. And the other thing too, was like, um, you have traditionally with these big meals, there's so many different things to eat. So it's not necessarily like, okay, you're going to cut down on one or two things. You're probably going to cut down across the board. There's so many different things people are going to eat. They're not going to notice. Um, and then trying to think about whether or not you're comfortable with those leftovers. If, if what we're saying to you is a foreign language and you're like, look, I have a formula that I do every year. I have my recipes. I don't think I'm capable of like cutting them back, which you are, but let's, let's just say you're, you've got a lot going on. Okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with you there. Are you comfortable eating this again? And are you comfortable eating this again for like a long time? Because I feel like that's what often happens with leftovers. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't think about creative ways to either repurpose the stuff, you just said shepherd's pie. That's such a good way to reuse like potatoes, uh, mashed potatoes, et cetera, after the fact. Um, and listeners will include some sort of creative reuse uh, recipes in our resources at, um, post show. If you're not comfortable doing that, then you're going to have to be comfortable at least from a sustainability perspective, eating this a lot. So that's why when we talk about like before you even start cooking, using a tool like the guesstimator, it's amazing. You just go to savethefood.com. It will also include a link, but it's it's just a really cool tool. Um, there's so many different ways that you can, you can cut back. So I just had to pop in there because I'm remembering years past of eating Thanksgiving leftovers until I literally didn't want to see Thanksgiving for another year. <laughs> Right. And then next thing you know, it's, it's Christmas dinner. So exactly. And it's similar. <laughs> yeah. The, the shepherd's pie example is a great one. Cause you can just make it from the leftovers and put it in the freezer because everything is already cooked. So you can pull that back out again in January and boom, dinner done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And no, yeah. no one is going to notice that. Like no one's going to, no. people will be like, Oh my God. I mean, my husband actually just recently was talking about shepherd's pie and I was like, 
Yeah, it's so good. But dude, I'm not gonna make all that stuff. Like you literally, <laughs> you're making your no. It's your... a nightmare. But when you can make it out of Thanksgiving uh, leftovers, then you're laughing. You can get a couple of more meals out of it. Absolutely. And if you're not interested in dealing with leftovers at all, send food home with people. Uh, so we hang on to um, our block takeout containers because they are not accepted in recycling, which yep. a lot of people don't know. Um, yep. So we hang on to them so that we can always be sending leftovers home with folks, like no matter what they're over for dinner for, but everybody takes leftovers home. That's um, such so a good, such a good tip. Such yeah. a good tip. That's one good way of, of making sure that you're, you know, passing it forward. Um, we already mentioned make less food. I promise you will not run out. Um, and you can really get away with that by, by choosing some really simple but hearty dishes um, that are really versatile. Have a few treats. Um, and, of course, consider having a fully plant-based meal. Um, as a plant-based family, I do want to plug the old plant-based um, holiday traditions. It's not gross, I promise. I have a really good recipe for a holiday roast on my blog. Um, which I'll send you the link for as well. Yeah. And I've been doing that for, oh gosh, at least 10 years now. Absolutely. Well, and the other thing I was going to say too, along the lines of making creative swaps, like you're just talking about, um, you know, going even back to the pre previous point that you made around leftovers, um, one of our most popular posts on Brightly's um, Instagram and TikTok accounts is uh, we had this tip that we said, the next time you go, either save those takeout containers like you just mentioned, or um, when you are um, at the thrift store, uh, mm -hmm. there's a woman that we that we uh, shot some footage with. She said, "Look, grab uh, you know some uh, cheap Tupperware or not Tupperware, um, not uh, Tupperware equivalents, so like ceramic based Tupperware, yep. and then the you can casserole dishes. Exactly, casserole dishes. That's yep. that's what I meant to say. Um, and you can send people home with them, and it's like." There's like one less reason for them to be like, no, I don't want leftovers. You're like literally like, hey, here's a cute little dish. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the dish. Just pass it along. Go. That's no, right. I don't have to worry about returning the dish. Yeah. So on that That's note, right. as we're talking about dishes, um, that would be my next tip, which is use your own dishes. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, rather than disposables. I know when we're having a lot of folks over, we may not have enough dishes. Um, this is when you want to borrow from your friends, from whomever's coming over. I've done that. You know, mom, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? Um, and they'll bring it over. Everyone's usually very happy to do that. Um, and if you don't have access to that kind of stuff, you can thrift it. Um, your town may have a, like a party basket available through the library. If you have a lending library of things, um, and usually you can get, you know, a big bin of real plates, real glasses, real cutlery, um, and then you wow. won't need to put anything in the trash. It all just goes in the dishwasher when you're done. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. 
wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Yeah, that's a fabulous tip. And um, the other one I'd say, too, is if your town does not have a lending library, you probably have a buy nothing group, which everybody's heard me talk about these till the end of time on this podcast. But I see that all the time. And actually, um, the one thing I don't talk a lot about about buy nothing groups is you can make requests. So uh, a lot of people just think that buy nothing groups are there for people to give things away. And then you can comment and say like, oh, I want that. But you can absolutely make requests on buy nothing groups. And typically, um, you can do it last minute. Uh, but I I've found I've made a few requests before. And Number one, you can request things to borrow. So you like don't have to say, hey, does anybody have like a set of uh, dishes that I can have? You could just literally say, hey, um, I have like an extra 10 people coming over to my house. SOS, is there anything anybody can let me borrow? I guarantee you somebody is going to respond and say, yes, please use this. So um, there are creative and, ways and I've done to do that. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I have, I, I've done that for a birthday party. I have an old vintage um, jar that I broke the glass lid of. And I said, you know, ISO, I'm in search of this lid. And someone said, guess what? I broke the jar. So. Oh my God. How what are the two. <laughs> right. And I, and I love it because then you get to meet folks in your community and yeah. you're really strengthening your, your local eco community. Um, and that's really where a lot of this climate action is going to come from. So I am a big fan of my local buy nothing group. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah you're right. So making sure that you're, yeah, not bu- going out and buying things um, left, right and center that you're, you know, mm-hmm. trying to reuse where possible. Um, yeah. What about like dishes kind of remind me at least. So I grew up in the South, very much a con- culture of lots of consumption. Um, and I, you know, grew up with my family either using like the special china for these types of things, or like sometimes people would have like special holiday dishes, which I mean, they were reused every year. So I guess it's not the worst thing ever, but like the concept of like having special items that you just use once a year and go store is a little bit crazy to me now. So like, what are we, as we start to think about like decor, like what are some uh, op- like uh, tips that you have for people that are looking to, you know, make like a festive tablescape, but they don't necessarily want to be overly wasteful. Oh, let's look to nature for that. Um, if yeah. that's what we're celebrating, if this is the season we're celebrating the abundance that nature provides, then let's celebrate that on our table. So you can take a lot of um, your Halloween decorations and just keep them going for Thanksgiving. So I'm talking about, you know, like your little teeny pumpkins, your gourds, yeah. dried corn, corn husks, twigs, birch bark, pine cones, all of that sort of fall outdoorsy stuff that you can probably get outside for free is going to look great on your table. And Pinterest is bursting at the seams right now with um, different styling ideas for things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen some really beautiful tablescapes done. Um, where people have taken fallen branches that still have pretty leaves on them. And you can just like, those like are really um, impactful and look super cool. If you just put like a a branch in a vase, um, it it can look really neat. So I love that idea. I also was going to say the same thing around pumpkins. Like actually when we, um, at least right now, so I have a toddler, she's totally not, uh, she just turned two. So she's like totally not really of the age to like carve pumpkins yet. So what we do instead of carving pumpkins we just like leave them intact. And so they, for Halloween, they kind of sit in a grouping outside and they look Halloween-ish, but they're able to easily transition over into just general fall decor because they're not, they don't look like jack-o'-lanterns and they last a lot longer that way if you're not um, cutting into them. So that's something that we do. Um, I also, you know, again, just like 
on the topic of meal planning, um, or sorry, on, uh, in the same vein as meal planning is being organized with your uh, decor, like when you put it away. So this is very top of mind for me because my at my house, we're trying to like go through and clean out our garage and, you know, make sure that stuff is better organized. But if you have organized your um, decor in a way that is easily accessible year after year, number one, you're going to be able to get into it quicker and see like what I have already. Like I am unfortunately sometimes guilty of storing things away, forgetting where they are, and then rebuying, which is the worst thing. And it's like so bad to admit to that, given my whole edict is to help people uh, be more conscious consumers. But it happens to me too. Uh, so, you know, just staying organized and, you know, remembering like it's, it's tempting to like get sucked into some of these like decor sales or going into Target, et cetera, and seeing all this stuff. But like before you buy something, just make sure you don't already have it. <laughs> Yeah. And can you see yourself using it for several years in a row? Exactly. So I think these like home sense, home goods kind of stores um, are really like fast fashion for your house. Um, you know, and if you're going to purchase something, if you're going to wear it 30 times, like how much are you going to actually use this decoration that you just have to have right now? Yeah. Um, and, you know, can it be multi-purpose? So is it a general fall decoration that will work for you know, spooky season and then Thanksgiving, uh, or is it something that can be winter and holiday, you know, that sort of thing. So I would never say like, no, don't do that, but do it in a way that is more considered and more thoughtful. Um, and then you'll get many, many years of use out of it rather than just sort of looking at it as, as fast fashion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that makes total sense. I, I've never really thought about it in that way, but you're right. Like when you walk into those stores, we have we actually do have a whole episode talking about um these types of overstock stores and i think it's kind of tempting to go in there especially like a uh tj maxx marshall's type thing where it like it looks like stuff that is um overstock the answer is it's usually not like it's usually just still bought directly from you know from china etc and like it's it's stuff that was created for the sole purpose of being sold at that store so I think the old way, maybe when these stores first got started, maybe they were more like that, but they're certainly not like that now. So when you're going in there, like Sarah said, uh, I mean, it's lots of fun to browse, please do. But if you're gonna get something, make sure you're comfortable with it for a few years. And then also like, you are not saving something from, I mean, in theory, by buying something, yes, you're quote unquote, saving it from going to landfill, but that would be applicable to everywhere. It's not like you're going mm. into Goodwill or thrifting something. You're prolonging it from hitting yeah. landfill, really. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to lie, Laura, yesterday I was in HomeSense. It's right next door to our grocery store. And I went in to browse for ideas of things to make. Oh, okay. Tell me more about because that. Because I'm so noticing like, that doing? a lot yeah. of the, well, I'm noticing a lot of the um, Christmas decor that's up right now is um, looking like, you know, oh, here's a tree made out of sticks or birch bark or this wooden oh. snowflake or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it is all, it, it's mass produced for the most part. Um, some of it is handcrafted. Um, so, you know, like take a look at the tag of what you're thinking of purchasing. Cause that's maybe a good option. Yep. There's no, no perfect option, but um, so I just was sort of looking around for things that would be pretty easy to make. Yeah. Um, and then I can do that craft with my kids or, you know, just, you know, fiddle with it. Uh, I like to have something to do with my hands uh, so I can put down the phone and, and put the existential dread away for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I and, love it. You know, 
create something that is beautiful, but ultimately compostable at the end of life when I get tired of it, as we all do. Um, so I like to just, yeah, cruise around and see like, oh, that's cute. That's a good idea. Okay. Do I have something like that that will already work? Yes, I do. Or, oh, no, but I could easily make that. That's such a good idea, Sarah. Like, I've never thought to do that. And I'm like, the next time I go in there, I'm 100% going to have this mindset, which is take how pictures. can I make it? Yeah, why yeah, not? Take, take pictures. Yep. Yeah. Just love like it. when you're, you know, out in real nature, just take pictures and leave. Uh, and yeah. And, can, if, you know, if you don't look at it again, it wasn't meant to be. If you do go back and look at it and go, yeah, you know what? I, I really do think I'm going to try to make this snowflake out of twigs or cinnamon sticks or whatever it is, then. I love it. Another thing I was going to say too is that if you're a parent or a new parent like me, old parents that are like kids love crafts. And I think, I mean, I personally, because I think we kind of grew up in a generation where DIY became like, I almost want to say like people just like started to like monetize it, if that makes sense, or yeah. like Instagram it. And so like DIY, Absolutely. like I almost get anxiety now doing DIY because I'm like, oh my God, this doesn't look good. Yeah, DIY almost never looks good, folks. Like, I mean, unless you're like happen to be like particularly talented, like it's yours though. And you made memories making it, even if you're making it yourself. So just like, hmm. I'm here to just like say, give yourself a little bit of permission to just do something. And it's, maybe it's going to look a little bit wonky, but it's number one, if you're doing it with your kids and like, like I said, I have a two-year-old, she can't do much, much from a crafting perspective, but man, she loves watching. Like she loves watching. She loves yeah. like handing me things like just involving her in that is cool. And yeah, I mean, it's not, I mean, we, we do not have to have everything Pinterest and Instagram ready all the time. And yeah. the more sustainable thing is really to not do that. So, um, you know, just, just having fun with it, I think is really important. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really good opportunity to talk with your kids about why you're making things and why you're using these materials and what the season means to you and all of those kinds of things. Yeah, that you just absolutely. can't purchase. Absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think if there was like anything else. Are there any other things that we feel like we're missing? I'm trying to think through. I mean, I think that's something that's really important, especially for Thanksgiving, uh, especially where we are in North America. Um, as you're, you know, sitting down at the table and what are we grateful for and all of those kinds of things. Um, it is really important to also, uh, you know, give thanks to the land and what it provides for us uh, and to acknowledge its traditional peoples. So if you don't know uh, whose land you're on, you can go to a really cool website called nativeland.ca and find out the traditional peoples of your land. That's amazing. I, I, I totally, um, you know, agree with that making sure that we're remembering, uh, you know, who previously came before us and, you know, acknowledging that is, is super important. Um, so I really appreciate that reminder, Sarah. I guess the last thing that I can think of before we get into our closing is just, again, on the topic of waste is food preservation. Um, so mm -hmm. we talked about like reuse and, uh, you know, sending people home with leftovers. So I think that covers a lot of it. But just remembering, like, please try to reduce that plastic wrap please try re to reduce those Ziploc bags, like use the containers you already have, use, um, you know, there's beeswax wraps, there's, um, we at Brightly makes these really nice reusable bowl covers, like just trying to cut down. Cause that's also what I remember when I like flash back to, uh, years past growing up. It's just like the amount of like foil and, and all that stuff being used mm -hmm. up, like try and use the stuff that is reusable. <laughs> that, that would yeah. be my final tip that I'm remembering. And use your freezer. I mean, yes. 
depending on the amount of leftovers that you have, like your freezer is your friend. And yes. as someone who works from home, I'm, I'm always like, oh gosh, I have to eat lunch. Um, and I will say that I learned this trick about freezing things in muffin tins. Yes. So, you know, and then that's about a half cup portion. So if you kind of dole out like, okay, well, here's some mashed potatoes and gravy and here's some, you know, turkey or tofurkey roast or whatever, you can just pop those out uh, into a reusable bag and then fire them in the microwave and boom, lunch. Um, so just sort of grabbing, <laughs> grabbing one of each puck and you've got a lunch ready. It, it works when you're in January, February and just can't deal with winter anymore <laughs> oh absolutely we live and die by this tip so I yeah. make all of my toddlers food ahead of time um she's also a great sort of testing ground for me with some of these lower waste recipes because I'm I mean she's two years old now I'm like constantly trying to hide vegetables like I'm like how am I hiding <laughs> these vegetables she used to like be the best eater she used to eat broccoli mm -hmm. she used to like eat salmon everybody is always like oh my gosh she's such a good eater and I'm like listen I, that's not much up to do with me and sure enough Right when she turned two, it was like, yeah. nope, we're not don't, even going to want to eat. It. <laughs> yep, yep, we're not going to eat anything. We're just going to eat chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. So I am constantly yeah. trying to figure out how I can um, hide veggies in there. But to the point that Sarah just made, we love the muffin tin trick. And actually, um, one of the things I like to do is I use a um, silicone muffin mold. So uh, the one from Silpat is really good. It's kind of expensive. They're actually... Um, I think a little bit bigger than the half cup marks. So they're, they're slightly bigger, but those make great portions, but you can also just get any kind of silicone um, muffin mold, you know, at, at your local shops or Amazon, whatever you choose to, to use. And that mm -hmm. is like such a nice thing because when they're frozen, so what you do is you put your food in there, pop it in the freezer. When everything is set, you just come out and pop them out, just like mm -hmm. you said. And it's just so yeah. easy and it's great for quick lunches or, any type of meal with a toddler because she wants to eat right then. And so it goes in the microwave and there you go. <laughs> yep. We love it. Yeah. We want things to be low waste, low cost, low effort. Absolutely. Love all the, all the low stuff. I love it. <laughs> um, so Sarah, this has been so fun. Um, I really appreciate you coming on good together. Um, in closing, we typically like to ask our guests the same question. Um, and you can answer it either from a personal perspective or sort of like uh, from your uh, blog's perspective, whatever, whatever the case is. But we like to ask people, like, from where you're sitting, what is exciting you the most about what you're seeing going on in the ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement right now? Oh, that it's catching on. Um, yeah. I'm a I'm an OG, like, Kyoto Protocol girly. Like, I got sort of into this in the early 90s with a really cool science teacher that I had. And so I've often felt like I'm just sort of, you know, screaming into the void. Yeah. Um, but over the last five or six years, I'm seeing all kinds of folks of all ages and interests and skill sets um, and niches getting involved in climate action in their own specific way and seeing a real shift in it being talked about in public. There's always a climate story on the, the quote front page um, these days. Uh, politicians are talking about it. They're not really doing anything about it, but we it, it is now like a top issue. And yeah. that just simply wasn't the case even just a few years ago. So seeing it catch on and just the sheer diversity of um, climate action and climate solutions that are being put into practice by, you know, everybody from like a scientist to an activist to me, your average, you know, suburban mom, we love to see it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. The fact that more people are talking about this is just super exciting. 
and um, have really, really enjoyed chatting with you, Sarah. So uh, listeners, like we said, um, you can find all of the links in our show notes um, at brightly.eco. But again, if you want to check more out um, from Sarah, she is the founder of Sustainable in the Suburbs. Um, And just thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. This was great. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.